a world or a word view. A fragile life, but a fruitful life. Faith's review and expectation. One minute can change everything. Precious promises. A more excellent name. Come on, somebody, we just sing about it. A more excellent name. Thy law do I love. Forgiven and empowered. Live free or die. What does it mean to be Pentecostal? Hang out here long enough, we'll show you. Seven components of prayer. A table for two. Blessed is the man. Filled with the fullness of God. Of whom the world was not worthy. Pentecost Sunday. Today we remember. What can cause you to turn? Women of the word. Your knowledge of God. Agitate the anointing. That's good right there, isn't it? Listen to this. According to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, Jesus Christ died and was buried and is raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures. A pastor's grief, doctrine of church membership. This is a tough one. Responding to the live-in generation. Back to Bethel. The power of the Holy Spirit. Christianity's forgotten doctrine. Heaven and hell. Miracle money. I believe in miracle money, don't you? God said he would give seed to the sower. A revelation of the covenant. I want you to stand up with me. We're going to pray. Say, Pastor, what are all those cool things you just shared? Those are either what we would call sermon titles or the context of what's been preached at First Assembly of God. Not exclusively, but a part of what's been preached here at First Assembly for the calendar year 2017. To just show you the breadth and the depth and the width of the things that are shared. Because today I'm going to talk to you about doctrine. Because doctrine's important. What I just shared with you is doctrine. That's what we've talked about. That's what we've shared. Not just me alone. There have been other ministers. Some of those messages I didn't preach myself. There were others that had preached. Jojo, Shane, others shared. This did not include certainly Wednesday night. It's important what you're hearing. It's important that something is put in front of you on a, on a weekly basis that's going to stimulate your faith. It's going to put you in an environment where you're going to grow and you're going to be receptive to the things of God. I'd like to even go all the way back to the Christmas of 2016. While everybody else was celebrating tinsel and eggnog and uh, what's the little green thing that grows in the tree? Mistletoe, Pastor Brown preached God had a tree. Come on, somebody, God had a tree, right? A cross called Calvary. Listen, doctrine's important. So I'm gonna encourage you today, let's let God speak to us as I speak to you a message about the importance of doctrine for your life. Father, I love you, and I'm grateful to be in this house and thankful for this privileged opportunity to share the word of God. So grateful for this church family that's here today. They're here to 
to just fellowship. They're here to uh, experience the communion of the body, but they're here, Father, not even beyond worship, God. They're here to receive the engrafted word, which James said is able to save our souls. Joe has already prayed, Father, and I add my agreement to it. Let preaching be easy in this house today. We're so grateful for that opportunity. It's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. And you can be seated with me if you would today. And John, before you go with you, there is a... I want, to take a time, I want to take time for a few moments to take you to one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's in the book of 1 Timothy. And whenever pastor appreciation, which, you know, churches celebrate often pastor appreciation differently. But whenever we, we do so as a fellowship, often my attention is drawn to just the pastoral office and the role and the interaction of a pastor with the fellowship. And, and I've had a particular passage here in the context of the fourth chapter of the book of 1 Timothy on my heart throughout the course of the week, the thought that's been in my mind, and I want to begin to expound it to you if I can for just a moment. Now, one of the things about being a pastor is the privilege that we have is, is certainly to shepherd the people of God, to be an encourager, but one of the most important things that we do as well is to teach people the Word of God. To not waste your time with stories and fables... Paul even addressed that here in 1 Timothy in the first chapter. He said, don't give heed to genealogies and endless fables, but be focused on sound doctrine, sound doctrine that produces edification. Paul writes this epistle to Timothy from, uh, he had left him at Ephesus, and we've been studying about the life of the apostle Paul on Wednesday nights, and we're journeying in the 20th chapter of the book of Acts and Paul had left Timothy at Ephesus because he had spent two and a half to three years there. It was the longest stopping point that he had uh, stayed at along in his missionary journeys. And so he developed in two and a half to three years, he had developed a close communion with the people and a deep-seated compassion and an affection for the people. And, and so, but, but he was not contented to just leave and leave them without somebody that could reflect his values. Now remember, the church is new and being formed just Three and a half years earlier, if he was there two and a half to three years, three and a half years earlier, most of the church were pagans. They didn't have any knowledge of God. They didn't have a basis of faith. Some of them maybe have had a history in Judaism, but not everyone, especially the Gentiles. And so the church is, is in an infancy stage. And so Paul could not just leave them. And even the elders that he would affectionately speak to in Acts chapter number 20, he left Timothy there as kind of an overseer as a pastor to pastors, even, if you would, because he called Timothy his own son in the faith, and he knew that Timothy would reflect his values to the people. And he's left him there in the third verse, in essence, that they might charge. This is the first chapter. Our attention's going to be on the fourth chapter in a moment. But he said this, and it's, he said that, they, that you might charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Doctrine is very important. Doctrine is just simply the learning aspect of the church. It's the instructional aspect. It's the part where you grow. It helps in the maturation of your faith. Worship is a, is a uniquely important thing, and we can grow and, and, and gain so much by worshiping God. But we have to have the spirit of Mary upon our hearts. We have to be willing to sit at the feet of Jesus and receive his word and be taught the word of God. This epistle in First Timothy addresses a wide uh, you know, variation of subjects. He addresses gender roles in public worship, men and women. 
he addresses qualifications of both the bishops and deacons. I love the third chapter. It says, if any man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. It's a good work. All of us pastors here that would say this, that it's a good work. We're so blessed. We are so blessed to be the pastor of this great assembly. And God has just uh, privileged us uh, with this opportunity. And so he also addresses the, the Timothy's personal interaction with the fellowship, how to treat older men, how to treat older women. And I'll just say, if you're a pastor here among us that may be visiting, you better get that one right. How to interact with younger women. You better get that one right too. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so Paul is very frank in, in, in the way that he just speaks directly in the epistle. Uh, but he addresses both Timothy's responsibility to the church and to his own uh, self. And, and that's an important thing as a pastor. And so all of us pastors have spent many you know, hours studying the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus uh, you know, these pastoral epistles to just help us to become who God uh, is di- desire- designing us to be. So we're going to just jump into the first verse, and we're just going we're we're to hastily move because it's in the last six verses of this text that I want to talk to you about, but I want us to just kind of glean the context for a moment. I like to just take a few minutes to set the context. Is that okay with y'all today? And I love the public reading of Scripture. I just like to walk it down with you for just a little while. He says, The Spirit speaketh expressly. That in the latter times, and, and when is the latter times? The latter times was certainly in their day because they called that the last days. God was pouring his spirit out. But the latter days has a universal application. It's something that we can all make application of every generation that's lived since the first century. But there will come a day and a time when the latter times will be the last time. I don't know. Are we living in the last time? There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot of uncertainty. I, I mean, are we on the brink of something that it's difficult for us to foresee what it could look like? I don't know. But it, I think the application is certainly here that some depart from the faith. There are those that Paul would later say that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Not everybody that claims to be a Christian that's got the WWJD bracelet and the cross on the necklace on, that doesn't mean that they have true, genuine faith in Christ. He said, some have departed from the faith. Why? Because there is, a, there is a work of evil spirits, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Everything that's taught in the pulpits across America is not necessarily born of God. Every person that stands behind a podium like this that has a microphone and a platform and a, uh, a theological degree does not mean that they've got the authoritative word of God or the inerrant word of God in their heart and minds. It's... Men, men are being seduced by demonic spirits. Here, Paul warns us. He gives us a little glimpse in what that could look like as it affects both the, a person's both even diet and lifestyle. And diet was a big part of the communion of the fellowship in those days because of coming out of Judaism and the things that they could eat and they couldn't eat, and it could easily, easily lead to legalism. Paul said they will speak lies and hypocrisy. Their conscience will be seared with a hot iron. They were forbid to marry, and they were command to abstain from meats. Many believe that this was a foreshadowing of what would happen with the Roman papacy and the development of the Roman Catholic Church, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. And Paul said, every creature of God is good, and nothing's to be refused. Remember that when you're going through the dinner line back here. 
Every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving for it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. And notice this, how odd is this? Paul said, if you do these things, Timothy, he said, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. How ironic that something that seems so simple that many pastors don't even necessarily take the time to address. Paul said, if you'll just remind them of these few things that I've just shared with you, he said, you're going to be a good and a faithful minister of Jesus Christ because you were nourished up. Listen, that is so important that we as pastors be nourished in words of faith and of good doctrine because if we're going to share something with you, we got to first eat it ourselves. My pastor, Pastor Larry Burton, said this. He said, it's got to burn in you before it's going to burn in someone else. And so we got to, you know, Jeremiah was given the book, and he was to eat it. And John was given the scroll, and he was to eat it. And so we've got to eat this word ourselves, and it's got to nourish us. And he said, but then again, he gives the contrast. He said, refuse some things. Refuse profane and old wives' fables. And nobody got time for that. And exercise thyself rather unto godliness. I like verse 8. It says, bodily exercise profits a little. It does a little. Some of the men from the other side were here the last time when I talked about my piece of exercise equipment. Y'all remember that, don't you? Well, it's still in the storage shed. So exercise little, he said. But godliness, listen, godliness has to be exercised. Uh, you can walk around here having come from uh, Gold's Gym, if you would. And you could come, you could come here uh, and you can be a, uh, you know, a bodybuilder and you can have your diet and your exercise. But if you're not developing your faith, if you're not watching over and managing your faith and growing in your faith, because that's what's profitable unto all things. Now, I'm not trying to be uh, negative concerning bodily exercise. Bodily exercise is a good thing, but it dims in comparison to spiritual exercise. Spiritual exercise is what he says, it has promise of what is now and of the world to come. It's profitable. When you develop your faith, when you begin to manage your faith, when you begin to say, you know what, I'm going to guard. You know people that are, that are really into health and exercise, and some of my sons are, and, and I mean, they are so, uh, they, they are just so uh, on a regimen, and they guard what they eat and different things and put in their bodies, and you know people like that. But you know what, in the kingdom of God, we got to guard ourselves. We got to guard our faith. We got to guard the things that we're letting come in. Come on. We gotta we gotta guard the things that we're doing that can that, that's hindering our development and our, our spirit. You know, there's a building up of your faith. Jude said, build up your most holy faith. Paul had already said you're nourished up. You know, we've got to, I hate to say this, I'm not trying to be negative here today, but there's a lot of uh, spiritual undeveloped Christians. There, there's a lot of people that should have had the a, a greater exercise of faith, and they've never taken the moment to manage themselves and to manage the faith. And so Paul is speaking this, and he's reminded Timothy, he said, when you do this and you put the men and the women of God in remembrance of this, that's a good thing in the kingdom of God. He said, this is a faithful saying, and it's worthy of all acceptation. This is, worthy, this is good for everybody. Well, this is mail that comes to everyone's address. This is not Father's Day and Mother's Day where we're targeting just a few people looking at men or women or select roles and responsibility. This is just every one of us, whether you're a senior saint of God and, and, and you've been here in the church for 60 years or whether you just got saved last night at a revival at the other side. I'm telling you, you got to learn to manage your faith. you got to put yourself in an environment to have spiritual growth. 
You gotta guard your heart and the things that are influencing you. And you gotta put yourself in a place where you're, where you're taught of the word of God and where you can discern good and sound doctrine because we're about to transition into that. He said, we both labor. Paul said, we labor and we suffer reproach. It wasn't one without the other. When Paul labored, he suffered reproach. Paul was honored and recognized. He would write that the, the, wor- the, the labor was worthy of his hire in this very passage of Scripture. But at the same time, he suffered reproach for his ministry, and he, and he suffered much persecution. But he said, we're going to trust in the living God, who's the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. And then he puts this charge back to Timothy. So now remember, as Paul is writing this, he's writing this to Timothy and through Timothy. He's writing it to him personally at his own son in the faith, his common son in the faith. But at the same time, he knows that Timothy's going to share that with the church at Ephesus because the word wasn't just for Timothy, but it was also to the church at Ephesus. So he's saying to Timothy, he said, now look at this. This is where we're going to take the heart of our context today, verses 11 through 16. He said, these things, put these up for election in the church. Let this be voted on in the church, whether or not you should share these things. Let your voice be censored in the church, Timothy. That's not what he's saying. He's speaking to Timothy to create a boldness, an authoritative voice in, 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 his, in, his, in his ministry that Timothy, this is apostolic doctrine. The things that I'm sharing with you, Timothy, this is apostolic doctrine. You're to command and teach these things. And then he said, let no man despise thy youth. I used to could say that about myself with a clear conscience. But unfortunately, it has slowly drifted away from me. But the rest of this passage is directly applicable to me personally and to these other pastors that are under the sound of my voice. We're to be an example of the believers. You know, we have to take that very seriously, guys. The way we handle ourselves, the way that we're esteemed both in public and in private, we can't be one way on the platform and another way in private. I hate, I hate to tell you, but I've seen ministers that are one way with a microphone in one hand and a podium in front of them, and when they come down off of the platform, they're altogether different, and they've got an they've got, they've got ugliness about them at times, and there's a harshness about them, and there's a non-compassionate mindset in them, and I don't want to be a part of that. Listen, I've learned a long time ago, I want to be kind. I tell you, I want to be somebody that handles the people of God gently. I can still be frank. I can still speak the word of God. I can, I can speak it with a boldness, but I can still handle the people of God gently. Here in this passage of scripture, he said, be an example of the believers. And how, let's look at it just real quickly. Let's just highlight it. If this is for nobody else, it's for me and JoJo and Shane here today. It's for in word, in what we say, in our speech. We have to guard what we say. We have to carefully choose our words. We know that our words, oftentimes, Jesus said, by your words, you're justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. So you got to guard yourself in the area of your speech. He said, then in conversation, King James English, it means your lifestyle. You know, we have to refrain from doing some things that maybe even people in the church do because we're held to a higher standard. You say, no, that's not the case. No, that is the case because the Bible says when God makes you a teacher of men, then he's going to hold us accountable as a teacher of men. And so we, we make decisions. We have to make decisions about our personal choices and our lifestyle. And he said, also be an example to the believers in charity, in love. Have compassion in your heart. In spirit, have a fervency. I'll tell you what, I, I learned a long time ago, I want to live life with a smile. 
oh, I just want to say that again today. I just, I, I, I want to come against oppression, and I want to come against a down, I'm, I'm not trying to have a watered-down sermon by saying that, but I just tell you what, I've got the joy of the Lord in my heart today. It doesn't mean that I don't have dark days and difficult days and challenges and sometimes get frustrated and angry, but I'm not going to let that pull me down. I'm not going to stay in that mindset. I want to be fervent in spirit serving the Lord. I want to do so with a, a compassion and a kindness and, and appreciation for my fellow man. And I want to I have a, an unction in my life, a, a spirit of fervency here. I, I, I wrote it this way, a fervent attitude. He said here in faith as well. He said be an example in faith. And, and it also means not just in faith, but in faithfulness. Be faithful to the call of God. And then also in purity, which is holiness with sincerity. So we search our heart and mind. So Paul is speaking directly to Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, you've got to manage yourself as pastors. We've got to manage ourselves. It matters. It matters what we do. Let's go farther. The 13th verse. He said, so, but he said till I come, till I get back to Ephesus, he said, I want you to give attendance to reading. So let's talk about that for just a moment. Paul is saying to Timothy, you've got to prepare your heart. First, when you think of reading, you think of private devotion. But it's more than private devotion. It was actually the public reading of Scripture. You have to be reminded in those days, everybody didn't have a personal copy of the Word of God. Everybody didn't have the Bible on their iPad or their iPhone. Oftentimes, only in the synagogue or the assembly of the believers did they have access to the Word of God. And so what Paul is telling Timothy is when people give you their time, don't waste their time. Let's go back to fables and endless genealogies. Don't get caught up in that. He said, when you got the ear of the people for a short period of time, then you read to them the word of God. I'm telling you, just hearing God's word read by an anointed man or woman of God is building your faith. It's speaking right to your spirit because deep calls to deep glory to God. Romans 10 and 17 says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your faith is being exercised today. You didn't know that, but you came here today. I'm telling you, your faith is flexing your spiritual muscles right now because it's hearing the word of God. It's being built up and it's being established in the faith. So public reading of scripture is very important. And then he said, Timothy, he said, exhort the word of God, which means to preach with encouragement encouragement. So exhort, expound upon it. Don't leave the people confused. Answer questions, dialogue, break it down, and then go farther than this. He said, and give yourself to doctrine. There's that word again, doctrine. It appears three times in the fourth chapter of the book of 1 Timothy. The word appears approximately 18 times in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Of the 51 times that it appears in all the word of God, it seems as Paul was concerned about these two men, Titus and Timothy, uh, recognizing the importance as a pastor and a leader of teaching the church sound doctrine doctrine. Sound doctrine can be the difference whether or not you live an anemic Christian life or whether you live a faithful, full of power and of the Holy Spirit Christian life because you're going to be affected by and shaped by what you hear. Oh, let me go a little bit farther. Verse 14, now he speaks to Timothy and he says, Timothy, don't neglect the gift. Don't neglect the gift. You know what? I believe in a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that those that are called to ministry, can I say this today, have a supernatural gift that God's put inside them. It's beyond themselves. 
It's beyond their own natural abilities. It's beyond their, uh, just their personality. When God calls a man or a woman of God and he sets them apart from ministry, Paul is saying in this passage, he said, there was something inside you that was given by prophecy by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. He's reminding Timothy. He's already reminded him in the first chapter, the 18th verse, when he said, my son Timothy, according to the prophecies that went before concerning thee, by these you might wage a good warfare. He's reminding him in that passage about prophecies now he's reminding him of the prophetical utterance that was spoken over his life at the time that timothy was being set apart for ministry what that means is other men of god gathered around him and laid hands on timothy and they spoke the word of god over him and there was a divine impartation you say pastor put that in an analogy that i can understand when mary had the angel of god in front of her and said mary you have been favored of god there's going to be something conceived inside of you that's going to be the son of the living God. And when Mary said, according to thy word, let it happen to me, there was an, an immediate release of the Holy Spirit that created Jesus on the inside of Mary's womb. And when a man or a woman of God is ordained into ministry, the prophetical word passes into them and there's a supernatural anointing that's released upon them. And I'll tell you what, it's something that we as pastors have to learn what God's put in our life, the, the, the gifts that God's put in our lives to enable us to be who we are. I want you to know today, we can't do what we do in and of ourselves. We can't have enough education. We can't have enough training. I believe in education. I believe in training, but it's going to fail miserably in the task that God's given us. We've got to have a supernatural encounter with the living God, an anointing that's placed upon our lives till we know that, you know what, this is beyond ourselves. This is the gift of God. I can only imagine that when Samson was functioning in the days of the judges and then he was facing those great battles, whether it was the thousand Philistines that he slew with his bare hands or whether it was the lion that he killed with his own hand. I'm telling you what, he was not in Samson. It wasn't what, he, what Samson's flesh and blood had the ability to produce, but it was the Spirit of God. And us pastors, we have to, re we have to recognize because if we don't recognize it, we'll neglect it. And if we neglect it, then the moment that we need it, it won't be present. Or it may be present, but, but we will have allowed it to lay dormant so long that we will be uncomfortable in exercising it. That's why he would later say in the second epistle, you got to stir this thing up. You know, inside of me is the pastoral gift. Inside of me is, the, is, is, is a teaching gift. Inside of me is a prophetic gift. And I have to stir these things up in prayer. I know that, and I can feel it when I'm away from my prayer chamber. I can feel it when I have allowed other things to creep in that have robbed me from the, the time and the affection that I should be giving to the Father because in His presence is where it's the agitation of that gift. Because I also know this, you can discern it as well. You can discern when a pastor's got a good sermon, but he doesn't have a word. Come on, somebody. He's got a good speech but he'll have a word from heaven. You know you can discern it. We need words from heaven in the pulpit, church family. Let's go a little farther. He says, stir up this gift of God. Stir it up. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them. Be fully committed. Be separated for God's purposes because people will see your growth, your profiting, which means your progress, and it will appear to all. You know, from the pulpit, I'd like to just commend just real quickly. I have both JoJo and Shane I want to just commend them real quickly because uh, we don't often do so enough, but it's Pastor Appreciation Day. 
I'm going to do it today, and that is uh, th- their progress, their profiting, their development in ministry has been very obvious to us, hasn't it? Their ability to preach and teach and to share and understand the Word of God and the unction. Let me tell you, the anointing has grown in their lives. Come on, somebody. Are y'all with me out there today? Joe's already challenged you. Don't be silent in here. I'm just being honest with you. Listen, we believe in a divine unction. When, when these men speak, you can, you can discern a tangible anointing upon their lives. Come on, that's for the good of the body. God puts these gifts for the good of the body so that that word, when it speaks to you, it pierces. It speaks to your heart and your mind. So then look in the 16th verse for just a moment. I took you on that long journey to take you to the 16th verse. Take heed to thyself. Can I say this? I wrote this in my own personal notes. The person I must guard myself from the most is me. You know, we have a, a biblical principle of an armor bearer. Remember, I remember what the armor bearer was, and we've talked about it in the past, how it was the armor bearer went in front of a warrior, especially a king, and he carried his shield. And, and it's a great analogy of, of, of under shepherds and deacons and elders in the church, as they be, and even uh, just lay ministers that have a passion to protect their pastors. But I'm telling you, nobody among us can protect me from the most difficult person I deal with every day, and that's me. That's the most difficult. D.L. Moody said, that's the person that gives me the toughest time is the person I see in the mirror. And Paul here is, that's why I love this passage so much because Paul's not just telling Timothy what he needs to do to the congregation, but he's saying, man, you gotta take heed to yourself. I love what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Listen to what he said in this passage of Scripture. He said, I buffet myself. What does that mean? He said, I discipline myself. He said, I guard myself lest I preach to others and then I become a castaway. What would it be if I stand in this pulpit and I preach about, uh, you know, the dangers of, of, uh, of pornography? Well, in my own quiet time. And I'm Google searching. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? What would it be if I stand in this pulpit here today and I warned you about the dangers of this world and its addictions with lust and with also with alcoholism and drug addiction, but I have addiction myself that I've not dealt with? Come on, somebody. So Paul puts the preachers, puts us in a, in a, in a very uh, a familiar place of looking at ourselves very closely and say, listen, you've got to take heed to yourself. You gotta, if you have to, buffet yourself. I can't just attempt to help you grow spiritually while I slowly drift from the faith. Did you hear what I said? I'm gonna say it again. I said, I can't. I, I, let me just read it. I don't wanna mess it up. I can't just attempt to help you grow spiritually while I slowly drift from the faith. I gotta take heed to myself. This doctrine that I preach, the doctrine that I share with you, the first application must be made in me. The first thing that I, the, the first person that ought to say amen, preach it, brother. You're doing a good job. I'll walk down that road with you. Split the wood, chop the wood. I'm there with you. Whatever it is, the amen corner, whatever, that needs to be me because I need to receive the word of God first before I can give the word of God. I need to guard my heart and my mind. And the psalmist said that how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to the word of God? So I've got to take heed to this doctrine. The doctrine, look at this. I want to talk about this in closing today. Look what he said it does. The doctrine saves yourself. You know, when I get the most excited about preaching, it's not when I'm preaching. 
You know when I get the most excited about preaching? It's when I'm in prayer. It's when I'm in study and God's uh, uh, unveiling the word. And I'm not just seeing the word for you, but I'm seeing the word for me. And I'm not just here to reflect Jesus to you, but I get a reflection of his glory. And so in this passage, he said, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. The doctrine will save yourself and it will save those who hear you. The Amplified Bible says, continue, persevere, and hold to these things. Doctrine, I wrote it this way in my sermon notes, is the key. It's the core of our belief. It is. Doctrine is. It's the very principles that draw us and connect us together. Can I say this? I've got the other side guys that are here with us today, and we're so honored that you're here. We think about you when you're not here. We're glad to be a part of your ministry and your, and your spiritual development at different ways, whether it's in giving or some are serving out there and others are teaching. But let me say this. It's, it's one thing to be in an environment, a Pentecostal environment, a spiritual environment. That's a great thing. But I'll tell you, you got to get rooted and grounded in the Word of God. I've never taught out there, really spoke out there, but I want to just say this real quickly. If I had an opportunity, one of the biggest and most important things is that you've got to get rooted, let me say it again, grounded in the Word of God. Because when you get this word inside you, it will change you. It's good seed on good ground. And the Bible says it will bring forth good fruit. But you got to get it inside you, the core of our belief. Doctrine is the core of what we believe and who we are. Acts 20, Paul said this to the men at Ephesus, the leaders at Ephesus that he would later meet with in a tearful farewell. He called doctrine the whole counsel of God. Why did I read to you the diverse subject matters that I talked about and what others have preached about for this past year, 2017? Because I wanted you to see and be reminded that we're not going to talk about endless genealogies and fables. We're not going to waste your time. If you're going to give me an hour and a half of your time on a Sunday morning from 1030 to noon, I'm telling you, I'm not going to take you into three points in a poem. I'm going to give you the authoritative word of God. I'm going to sharpen you as iron sharpens iron. If your heart is ready, I'm going to be a sower and your heart's the soil, and we're going to sow the good seed of the Word of God, and you're going to go out of this house knowing that faith uh, cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and God's going to move you from faith to faith and grace to grace, uh, and He's going to begin a good work in you, and He that begins a good work in you is going to complete that work uh, until the day of Christ uh, because of the goodness of the Word of God. Paul called the good doctrine the gospel of the grace of God. Paul called it the preaching of the kingdom of God. All in Acts 20, in his farewell sermon to the Ephesians that Timothy is later pastoring, he said he called it repentance towards God. Let me say that again. Repentance is a part of the gospel. Well, I'll say it again. I'm just now hitting my stride. I'm telling you, Leroy's about to show up repentance toward God and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not one without the other. It's repentance toward God. I repent of my sin and I turn to God, but I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I commend you. I love this in Acts 8. I commend you to the word of his grace. Thank God for the, 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 the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The unfathomable, amazing grace of God. Let me think about doctrine for a moment. Doctrine, I won't take much more of your time, but doctrine divides the body. It does. There's Methodists up there. There's Nazarene down there. There's Church of God over there. And there's uh, all kinds of different little fractions and, and factions in the church. Doctrine divides the body, but listen, but it unites the fellowship. Did you hear that? 
And so I, I, the overall consensus of the body, I can't speak for. I don't know how or the ways and means so that God might unify the whole body. But I'm telling you, I know that God wants to keep our fellowship united. And our fellowship must unite around doctrine. Doctrine must be sound. It must be consistent. It must be complete. And it must be balanced. I love what Paul called it. He called it the whole counsel of God. In days gone by, we used to call the assemblies of God all the gospel. Doctrine addresses our lives. But listen to this. Doctrine addresses our lives, but our focus must be on him. I love that. You didn't even catch that. That was so deep, it went right over you. I said, doctrine, let me say it. Well, look at this. Listen to what I'm saying here. Doctrine addresses our lives, but our focus is not on us. Our focus is on him. You say, pastor, you just told me you got to take heed to yourself. Yes. You know how I take heed to myself? By looking at him. And I look at him, and when I see him, and I see him in all of his glory revealed in his word, come on, somebody, that's when change gets worked in my life. Not when I look at me. When I look at me, I'm going to be discontented. I'm going to be downcast. I'm going to be frustrated and agitated because I'm always going to feel like I'm not good enough or incomplete. But when I look at him and I see his completion and I see his goodness and I see his grace and I know that God has hid me in him, come on, somebody, then that's when change gets worked in my life. Doctrine of unveils, listen what it does. It unveils the mystery of Christ. If you come to this church along, you know what you're going to learn? You're going to learn about the inclusion of the Gentiles. I just love that. Romans 10, uh, chapter number 11, excuse me, verse 17 tells us that as Gentiles, we draw from the root and the fatness of the tree. Man, I preach about that on a regular basis. Every promise of the old covenant, a part of it is still mine. God included me. I don't have to hide in the shadow to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Elijah, all the Old Testament. Come on, I can rub shoulders with those folks because God put me in the family. Man, that's good doctrine right there. You know what doctrine does? Doctrine looks at the shadow of the law through the lens of the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, we're not afraid to talk about the law because we look at it through the light of the gospel. Doctrine speaks to our heart, speaks to our soul, and it's medicine to all our flesh. Doctrine reveals his mercy, his grace, and his benefits. But doctrine also, listen to this, carefully outlines our responsibilities to him and our conformity to his will and our need to suffer for righteousness' sake. If we were to read other passages that Paul wrote Timothy, he said, all that live godly in Christ Jesus are gonna suffer persecution. Listen, don't let anybody tell you that it's always going to be easy to be a child of God. That the road's not going to have bumps in it along the way. or There's not going to be challenges along the way. Many stumbling blocks along the way. But I tell you, I believe this, John 16 and 33, Jesus said, In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's a power at work in you to give you the strength to endure and be faithful to the very end. 
Listen, our conformity is to his will and our need is to suffer for righteousness sake and our complete redemption is at his appearing and his kingdom. I'm almost finished. Sound good doctrine is what I'm closing with today. I want this to be written on the tablet of your heart on Pastor Appreciation Day. I want you to appreciate men, women of God that teach you sound doctrine. Sound doctrine does not make knowing the Antichrist your goal. I know I felt the air go out of here right then. The, oh, what? I've been looking. I think he was from Syria. I think he's going to be the, on the revised Roman. Listen, no, good doctrine doesn't make knowing the Antichrist your goal. It's knowing Christ. That's your goal. Know Christ and his glory and his grace. Sound doctrine addresses our relationships to God, our relationship to God through Christ, our relationship to each other. It's important how we interact with each other. The body of Christ. Sound doctrine addresses how we interact with our spouses if we're married, our families, our children, and even the world. We've got to handle ourselves the right way. Does that make sense? Listen, I want to say this. If you were to take away our stage, take away our musical instruments, take our projector out of the ceiling, take our screen off the wall, pull this microphone out of my off of my headset, take away your padded chair, and strip us of our carpeted sanctuary. But if we still have good doctrine, we can still be the people God's called us to be. Come on. All this is for our comfort, but good doctrine is for the change of our character and our conduct. Mm-mm-mm. Sound doctrine, good doctrine. This is what Paul called it. As I close today, let me just remind you, if you come to this assembly, we're going to be focused. I'm just going to run something down. Let's just run. Let's close with this. Let's go out with the bang here today. Let's just see if there's a stimulus in your mind in the context of good doctrine with just some phrases. The genesis, the creation, a garden called Eden, a garden called Eden, a man called Adam, and a woman called Eve, a serpent Deception, transgression, and death. But a man called Abraham, a covenant, family, a nation, nations. Moses, a burning bush. Deliverance, a Passover lamb. The Torah, commandments, sacrifice, blood atonement, judgment, mercy, Redemption, prophets, kings, priests, a poetic psalmist, David, hymns, psalms, and promises, Mary, Joseph, a miraculous conception, a holy child, out of Egypt he called his son, the man Christ Jesus, John's baptism, repent, behold, the Lamb of God, miracles, deliverances, healings, parables, forgiveness of sins, but betrayal, beaten, lied about, falsely accused, whipped, a crown of thorns, a cross, Golgotha, Calvary, his blood, Peter called it precious, death, the veil was torn, the rocks split, the sun was darkened, the disciples hid, 
the body was laid. The tomb of Joseph, the Sabbath passed. The stone was rolled away, but Jesus was resurrected. Forty days of what? Of sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Go, but first tarry. Oh, I got to just, I got to stop right there. Let me say it again. Go, but first tarry. But first tarry. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit given. Regeneration. A new birth, a new creature, a new creation. The gospel will spread. The Gentiles will be included. There was a Damascus road, Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. The epistles given, the epistles read, becomes sound doctrine, good doctrine. It includes all the gospel. It's the whole counsel of God. And Paul told young Timothy, and those words are just as true today as they were 2,000 years ago, give yourself to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine because it will save yourself and it will save all that hear thee. So today, on Pastor Appreciation, we're thankful today for men and women of God that preach good doctrine. Can you stand up with me today? Amen. Daryl, should you join me on the platform?